All right, ready for some word? All right, if you brought your Bible with you, you know where to go. Let's go over to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. I want to, I believe, conclude today this series of messages that we've been on for the last two months. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And let's read our our text here again in verse 6. 4-6. Paul writes here, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. In other words, I'm about to die. I'm about to leave this, this earth and go to heaven. Verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved His appearing. Praise God. And so Paul here, at the end of his life, states what he has done. He fought the fight, fought the good fight. He finished the race, or another way to say that, he completed his course. And he had kept the faith. And likewise, we want to, of course, do those very same things in our day. Now, how many know being a doer of the Word... Uh, goes beyond just going to church. I mean, uh, I realize there are words that say, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. We gather together, and that is to a very small degree being a doer of the Word. But to be a doer of the Word is to put into practice the things that we hear. And we must always avoid, because there's a great misconception in in, in Christian circles. uh, And then we'll finish the previous statement in a moment. Great misconception is that if I just hear the word and hear the word and hear the word and hear the, hear the word, my life will be changed and everything will be better. No, you'll have the tools to be changed. You'll have the knowledge to be better. But it doesn't automatically and necessarily change your life just from hearing the word. Everybody with me today? All right. And so what was that other statement I was halfway in the middle of? Yeah, I don't remember either now. I saw some looks like you stopped in the middle of a sentence. I knew I did. I talked about it. And you know how you talk about it? It's almost like uh, talking about, I'm, I'm about to sneeze. You know how it wrecks it and it's gone? You can't talk about it. You just have to do it. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, it was a good thought, though. I'll Facebook it later. Okay. But we want to be doers of the Word. We want to act on the words that we hear from the Lord. And, uh, and that, of course, includes in church. Does, it, does everybody recognize that the Spirit of God is speaking in our services? I, I, I'm quite confident of this and know for certain that this is a reality. I don't want people, I don't want anyone to come here with the idea that our services and the subject matter we bring up is just naturally contrived in some way. We decided, hey, what's a good subject here today? Let's Google that. Good sermons or something. And, and see... We do not approach things that way. They are much more spiritual. And I'm, I know this for certain, that the, the, the Lord is directing the things that I bring. I don't mean I'm speaking 100% in precision with every thought of God. I'm not that good. You know what I'm talking about? But I am knowledgeable enough, spiritual enough to get the general direction to get the flow and sometimes speak exact words that the Lord gives me. But He's directing us as to what to say and what to do. And so when we talk about being a doer of the Word, many of those words are coming to us in this setting. 
They really are. And so I would ask you today, I would challenge you with this kind of question. Have you engaged in kingdom activity? Those who have been here over the last, I've been talking to you about it for a couple months. Have you engaged in spiritual activity or are you still waiting for something? Is there still something holding you back? Is there still something from keeping you from entering into the plan of God for your life? Are you still doing your own thing? Or are you trusting the direction of God? It's interesting to me, this happens regularly. But I'll hear, you know, from phone calls and emails and questions and things that uh, people will come up to me and ask, that the things that people are going through in their life, the things they have questions about, the answers that they're seeking, are so commonly exactly what is being taught in the services at the time they ask. And I'm not preparing a message in response to those questions, but I am giving a message that the Lord put in my heart to share, the things to talk about. But it's interesting to me, I think sometimes there's a disconnect. Here's my question, here's my problem, here's what I'm seeking answers on. Here are the services. Now for my life, I need special help special attention, individual focus. I need specific questions answered. And then I'm going to go to church over here and praise the Lord and, you know, say amen. What am I saying? I'm saying I see a direct connection regularly. People start asking about stuff and I'm thinking, that's just what we talked about Sunday. But yet they didn't get their answer there. Or they start talking about things and I'm thinking, that's good because that's what I'm going to talk about this next Sunday. This is so God. This is so right. But my concern is that people don't recognize the Spirit of God speaking in this context, in this setting, and answering questions and giving them direction. Is everybody with me today? I tell you what, just to let you know, if some of you don't, you know, we may not have much personal interaction. That's kind of difficult on a large scale. I'm at my best right now. (laughs) If you think, hey, I'd like to hang out, you probably wouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) it's really not that big a deal but when I'm operating in an anointing when the spirit of God is moving me I'm flowing in my gift it's just something that God put in me I'm at my best I can answer questions I can hear from God I mean just in a really good place in these contexts why am I saying this I'm saying this to this end get it listen with spiritual ears Hear what the Spirit of God is saying to you right here, right now, in this series and in the thing that's coming next. I'm already excited about next week. I know what's, I know what's coming. I've already seen some things. But get something from God and take it and do what? Be a doer of the Word. Be a doer of, the, of that Word. Okay? L- l- let, me, let me say something kind of real practical here. From, a, from my heart, this is what I believe needs to happen. I think there are a lot of people in our really good church here, in Life Church, that should be doing more than they're doing. They already love God, have a good heart, you know, wonderful people, glad to have, should be doing more. I believe the Spirit of God would prompt you, and has over the last couple of months even, to do more. Some people ought to be working in different areas of the church, and serving, and, 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 and doing stuff. Some Some of you ought to be hosting and and hosting uh, our home groups in your home 
coming this fall. You have the ability. You have the, the resources. You have the ability. God wants to use you in that. All right? I think that the Spirit of God, I'm certain that the Spirit of God is stirring hearts of individuals and has been over the last number of weeks to engage, to become active, to not just be in the body of Christ, but to be, not, not just to be on the team, but to be in the game. Everybody with me? And so, what is that? Well, what is that for you? I don't know what that is for you as, as an individual, you know, without the Lord showing me, but I'm confident of this. The Lord will direct your steps. He'll direct you and get you exactly where you need to be. And in the plan of God is the provision of God, are the connections, the people you need to meet, the people you need to know, uh, is fulfillment. It is, there's joy there. There is satisfaction in that place. It's called your course. Anybody with me today? All right, I want to go a little bit further and talk about staying the course. If I'm going to begin, if I'm going to do the will of God, and if I'm going to finish the course at the end, well, the biggest part is the middle. I've got to continue. I've got to stay the course. It's a, it's a phrase that allegedly originated as a nautical metaphor in maintaining a constant, unaltering course while navigating. And then some of our recent presidents, uh, Bush and Bush, and Reagan, I read that they all used that phrase when it comes to like war activities. We're going to, uh, they would say, stay the course. And uh, they would say, we're not going to cut and run. Going to stay the course. Uh, well, in the context of our lives, I think it's also valid. And it's a good statement. It's something that we should commit to staying the course. Now, I'm not only going to begin the right thing, I'm going to continue doing the will of God following His plan for my life until I can confidently and certainly say, I'm done. I've completed it. I kept the faith. I finished the race. I, uh, that other thing. I fought the good fight. Yeah. And I'm done. And I'm ready for my crowns. I'm ready for the reward. I'm ready for the presence of God, the victory now. Amen. And it's an exciting thing to have going on in life when we can uh, say that we have finished. So most of us, we're in the middle somewhere, aren't we? I mean, if you haven't started, come on. But most of us, we're in the middle of our course somewhere. Some of you are closer to the end. Some are closer to the beginning. Some have taken an off-ramp and you're ready to get back on. And, uh, uh, but we're in the middle. And what do we need to do in the middle? Keep going. Yeah, we need to keep going. And so this is the stay the course um, proposition that I'm bringing to you today. Once we have dedicated our lives to doing the will of God, we simply must continue. In other words, why am I saying this? This is a very common. A lot of people start and then stop. A lot of people begin but then quit. They fizzle out. Or for some reason or another, they stop doing what they started to do. Let's take a look at the book of Acts today. Acts chapter 2. Anybody like Acts chapter 2? If you are filled with the Spirit, you like Acts chapter 2. That was the day of Pentecost when the, remember the 120 were in the upper room. You remember prior to that though, uh, Jesus appeared to, after His resurrection, He appeared to 500 people at once. And He appeared to different ones, the disciples and different ones uh, before that. And by the time they got to the day of Pentecost, how many know there was only 120? That's kind of a bummer, huh? <laughs> I mean, all these people had seen Jesus. Someone said, if I could just see Jesus. 
<laughs> if Jesus would just appear to me, oh, I would certainly be solid and I would be strong and I would never quit. I'd go the rest of my life. Well, they didn't. I mean, and that was pretty dramatic. A lot of them saw him crucified. Like, there he is on the cross. He is dead. And he appears to them afterwards and says, hold on, everybody. I want you to go tarry, wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. And by the time Pentecost came, there's only 120 of them left. Yikes. So what does that tell me? Uh, just because I see Jesus doesn't mean I'm not going to quit. Must be some other factors that get involved there. Hallelujah. Anyway, after the day of Pentecost, they had better success. Yeah, good things were going on. Okay, they had 120. Then on the day of that day, Acts chapter 2, remember Peter got up. He preached a sermon about Jesus. And you know what the result was? 3,000 people got saved. About 3,000 people came into the kingdom. So we have at least 3,120 now. All right? And how did those spirit-filled, spirit-empowered people uh, act? Here's what they did. Verse 41. Uh, this is at, right after Peter's sermon. Then those who gladly received the word were baptized. Now, by the way, receiving the word, you know what that refers to in Scripture? That refers to being born again. Okay? Peter talked about that, said we are born again by the incorruptible seed of God's word. All right? So when the Scriptures here in Acts chapter 8 says they received the word, they basically, that means they were born again. Born from above. So... Those who gladly received the word, those who were saved, what did they do? They were what? They were baptized. All right? If that's you, if you've received the word of God, you've been saved, Jesus is your Savior, what should you do next? You need to get baptized. This is the way to make things work. Don't ignore the steps. Don't skip over and say, I'm just going to try to live for God. <laughs> no. Do it the way that God prescribed. Okay? You get baptized. And uh, that day... About 3,000 souls were added to them. Verse 42. And they, who's they? Well, 3,120. And they continued. They continued. That word continue is very, very important. It's a very big deal. Because a whole lot of people in life, they simply don't what? Continue. Some of it's probably connected to the fact that they haven't been baptized and filled with the Spirit. But they simply don't continue. They start and then they stop. But the early church here, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Now, apostles' doctrine, what's that? That means they downloaded some teaching on their phones, right? No, they didn't have that. And there's nothing wrong with that. We thank God for those tools. But you know where, where they got the apostles' doctrine? They got it from the apostles. Okay, by the way, back then there were no pastors, there were no evangelists, church just started. The only ministry gift that was in operation on that day was the gift of the apostle. Okay, they were the only ones teaching and preaching at that point. Okay, so where did they go? They continued in the apostles' doctrine. That meant they went to church if we update it and upgrade it to our day. They got saved, they got baptized, and they did what? They went to church. What's, what's church? Church is not building. Church is group of believers. Church is gathering of many believers together, or could be a small group, but, you know, many believers come together. That's church. They continued in the apostles' doctrine uh, and fellowship, so they liked each other. 
How many know we're supposed to still do this? And uh, in, in the breaking of bread, they ate together and in prayers. Okay, this was a thing that got the church going in a very strong direction and it helped them to, to continue the work of God. They got together, they heard the word, they got together with each other, they had fellowship with, um, with each other, they ate together, they, uh, they prayed together, they prayed apart, but they continued in those things. If you ever find yourself saying, you know, I used to hang out with more Christians, more believers, but now I don't. Red flag. Okay, it's gonna, you're going to have trouble continuing in the plan of God. If you ever find yourself saying, you know, I don't, just don't pray like I used to. I used to spend more time with the Lord, spend time in prayer, and it's just kind of slipped aside. Well, this is one of those things you want to grab right back and pull back into your life and get it engaged. Amen. Because this will help you to continue and complete your course. So they continued. This tells me that if I begin something and I want to finish something, my main focus in the middle needs to be that I uh, recognize the obstacles. I recognize the potential traps that are along the way that could kick me out of my course. It's kind of like golf. Have I mentioned golf in this series? In the golf course, for those of you who play golf, you understand that there's a lot of issues. <laughs> sand traps. Um, you know, what's the sand trap? Well, it's not meant, it's just, of course, it's a good thing, kind of, because it's supposed to make the game challenging. But how many know if you hit your ball in the sand trap, uh, it's annoying? Because <laughs> it's much more difficult on your next shot to get the ball to go where you want to go. So you're trying to avoid these things, but you've got to know that they exist, and you look at the maps and, you know, GPS things nowadays that tell you how many yards it is to this trap, because you're trying to stay out of them. But they are there. Like, you know, you got your sand trap, you got your, your rough. You know what the rough is? You ever had a rough life? Yeah, your rough, where it's just where the grass is taller on the sides of the fairway, and it's more difficult to hit the ball there. You've got your out-of-bounds, you've got your water hazards, you've got... Uh, you know, you could even just have a bad lie, you know, where you, your ball landed in a place that just didn't sit real well. And all these challenges along the course in golf that you have to overcome to get a good score. In life, likewise, it is the case as we're doing our thing and uh, doing the will of God, there's going to come obstacles. There's going to come things in life that we must overcome. If we don't, we're going to be stuck in the traps. And so I want to share a few of those, a few of these common ones with you today. I want to give you four. Everybody ready? Four obstacles. Number one is critical people. Number one, critical people. If you are going to do the will of God, complete your course, you must be aware of and be prepared for people who are not nice. <laughs> people who are critical. People who will only point out the negative stuff. People who will tell you everything's wrong and not tell you about anything that's right. Amen. There's a scripture over in Proverbs, the 14th chapter and the 4th verse. Listen. It says, where no oxen are, the trough is clean. But much increase comes by the strength of an ox. Everybody elbow your neighbor this morning and say, I think he's talking about you. <laughs> How many know... 
if you want to have a clean trough, let's just call it the barn or the trough, whatever. Uh, if you want to have it clean, don't have any animals. And you can keep it clean. You can keep it nice. It'll smell nice. It'll be nice. But if you want to have the benefit of the animal, in this case, the ox, the strength of the ox, you have to realize what comes with the benefit is also a mess. You're going to scoop some poop. You're going to have to deal with some junk if you want the benefit of having that animal. You know, I don't know oxen too well. If you want milk, you're going to have to have a cow, right? If you want your own milk and stuff, if you want, you're going to have to have a cow. If you're going to have a cow, you're going to have a mess. You know, if you want eggs, you're going to have to have a chicken. And if you're going to have a chicken, you're going to have a mess. You're going to have a chicken mess. Now, here's the deal. How many know our course, the plan of God for your life, always involves somebody else? The end result is not for my life, is not just me enriching myself and being happy about myself. And No, the end result is someone else is lifted, they're blessed, they're saved, they come to a knowledge of God, they're healed, they're, they're delivered and set free. The end result of your course in life is always someone else is helped in, in, in some manner, in some fashion. Someone else is lifted and you'll spend eternity with them. All right? And so it's always, it's always about people. People are kind of like oxen <laughs> and chickens and cows and whatever. In this regard, people are messy. In other words, if we're going to be involved in fulfilling God's plan for our life, someone along the way is not going to be happy about it. Someone is going to be ugly to you. Someone is not going to appreciate you. Someone is going to, uh, you know, have a problem with something somewhere along the line. And we have to be in this for the long haul and say, okay, I knew this was coming and I'm prepared for it. I don't like it, but I'm going to learn how to deal with it. In our Bible school, we, I've spent many hours talking about this very thing in, in, in great detail. Uh, on, it, almost, it almost sounds negative, but I try to paint a picture for all of our students um, of the negative sides of ministry. <laughs> Why? So they won't do it? No. Just so they'll know, hey, you just love people anyway. You just give your life anyway, and you know that the Lord is your source, and He'll reward, He'll take care of you, but you're going to run into a lot of people along the way who do not like you, who do not appreciate, do not care, and ready? Ready to sign up? Ready to be used of God? Because you know what? Along the way, there's going to be a whole lot of people who do and appreciate and receive, and their lives are changed, and it's worth it for everyone who receives. Amen. And so, again, there's going to be people who are just negative, critical, unkind, and the trap here is becoming offended. Got to watch out for this. It's coming. There's going to be an opportunity to be offended, to hold a grudge. Uh, If you find yourself holding grudges against people, watch out. You're about to get off your course. Know that this was going to happen. Jesus knew it was going to happen. And uh, he dealt, dealt with a lot of people that were not real nice. They tried to throw them off cliffs. And a lot of things like that. And, uh, but going in knowing that this is the case, we can be prepared. Number two. Number two. So one, number one is critical people. Number two is burnout. Number two is burnout. This is a potential trap along the way doing the will of God. And a lot of times people face this. It seems today more than ever. I mean, it seems 
There's so many products that I that we see advertised to us nowadays, and and it's like after lunch you have to drink this particular potion, and it will give you five hours of energy, and you'll be able to make it to dinner. And sometimes I wonder how did people do it in history? Thousands of years, people have been after lunch they've been able to make it, but now we need some sauce. <laughs> We need this special potion. <laughs> we need, you know, mega loads of caffeine and whatever else and all this kind of stuff just so we can continue on. I think there's something not right here. I don't know about you. I'm thinking something's kind of, I, I don't want to, I'm not opposed to it. I had an energy drink once. Thought it was pretty good. <laughs> I'm not opposed to if you drink those kind of things, whatever, whatever floats your boat. I know, I know this. I don't want to be dependent on it. I don't, want to be, I don't want to be in a condition to where I can barely make it through the day without the joust of, of, of this kind of thing. Anyway, burnout. You think about an old oil lamp uh, that would burn until all the oil was uh, used up. It would burn out. Another way to say this, we might call it run out. What happens when a person is burned out? They've run out. We, we all deal, we have to deal with that regularly. It's called driving a car. How many know if you don't pull over, if you don't pull into the gas station frequently enough, you will eventually run out. You will run out of gas. No matter how nice you are, no matter how, how you, can, you might have a really super nice car, top of the line, brand new, you still have to put some gas in there. Right? Or I guess there's a few electric things around now. But they don't work. <laughs> Those girly cars. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Sorry, Mac, do you have one of those? Uh, <laughs> uh, how many know you've got to pull over and refill? You might have good music, worship music going on in the car. You might love God with all of your heart, but you're still going to be stopped from continuing unless you regularly what fill up likewise this is true now watch here's the, here's my focus i'm not talking about nutrition today i don't think that's my that's our church doesn't exist to talk about nutrition you can talk about that as much as you want i'm talking spiritual stuff here spiritual i'm talking the content of your heart not talking about what you eat per se and that type of stuff but your spiritual connection with and engagement with God will determine whether you're going to run out, whether you're going to dry up, whether you're going to burn out, or whether you're going to continue on. And most of the time you'll find when people are burned out, their prayer life is, and their, their reception and digestion, if you will, of God's Word has trailed off dramatically and probably hardly exists. It doesn't mean they're a bad person. It doesn't mean they have bad intentions. They may have gotten so busy, but they left aside their spiritual walk with God. Their prayer life has gone down the tubes. If you don't regularly refill, you're going to run out. If you don't regularly get refilled... Now, here's what the Scripture says. Remember Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18? It says, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Uh, by the way, that's written to Spirit-filled believers. The Ephesians, you know, back then there weren't churches that said, oh no, speaking in tongues is of the devil. There weren't churches that said healing has passed away. 
Everyone just pretty much accepted the work of, of God. And so the Ephesian church was a spirit-filled church, but Paul wrote to him and said, you need to be filled with the Spirit. You need to be, the, the Greek language there is a uh, continuous state. You need to be being filled. Be continually filled with the Spirit. So here's my challenge to you today. You're on your course. You're doing the will of God. You're pursuing God's plan for your life. If you don't spend much time with Him, if you don't get regularly refueled and recharged, you'll come to a place where you won't really care. You'll quit and you won't feel bad about it. And if someone makes you feel like, hey, what are you doing quitting? You won't care what they think. Because you can get to a place where you're so worn out, so tired, that it's just, well, I don't care what you think. I'm just going I'm just, to, I'm just done. You don't want to be in that place. Take whatever time you need, but regularly get refilled, get stirred up. Let the Spirit of God re-energize you. The more time you spend in God's presence, the more you can do. I don't know if this is getting through. I hope it is. I hope it is. This is totally up to you what you do in this, in this regard, but it's necessary. Amen. I remember hearing a quote from a man of God. He said, I have so much to do today. My plate is so full. There is so much for me to do. There's no way I can get it all done. I don't have enough time in the day. No way I can get it all done unless I spend the first four hours in prayer. I thought, oh, this is someone who recognizes the influence of God on his life. All right, number three. Number three is a lack of endurance. Number three, a lack of endurance. This is a trap along the way. I will not be able to complete my course if I cannot endure. Endurance is the capacity of something to last or withstand wear and tear. Look what Jesus said, uh, Hebrews chapter 12. He didn't say this, but Paul said this. Paul wrote Hebrews, I think. In the church world, that's unknown. He did, I'll just let you in on it. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, he writes, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, that's the folks in heaven, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You've got to endure. I remember one time I ran uh, in a track meet in high school. and That wasn't really my favorite sport. And they said, you're running the, what is it called? Twice around. 880? 800? It depends if you're in feet or meters, I guess, or yards and, yeah. Anyway, twice around. No, wait a minute, it wasn't that one. No, it was the 400. Once around. You can tell I'm not a track star. Never was. I ran that race one time. It was horrible. <laughs> I don't know why they stuck me in it. I was, I was on the team, but I wasn't prepared for that race. and It was a miserable experience. It took me a minute to get around. You know, the winners were like at 50 seconds, though. So that's a big loss. I was really tired. Never mind. Verse 2. Verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. How did Jesus get through it? How did he endure The way he did it is the same way that we do it. He said we need to look to Jesus. How did he do it? 
for the joy that was set before him. He kept his eyes on something greater, on something more important. He saw the result of what he was, what he was doing. You and I are going to endure when we see the fruit, even if we're seeing it in vision form So at this point. We're seeing what can be. We're seeing what's going to happen. We're seeing our time in heaven. We're seeing the reward ceremony. We're, we're, we're seeing the joy that's set before us. If our eyes are on this life, or if our eyes are on the task, on the thing that wears us out, we're likely to say, you know, hand the baton off. You know, I'm not going to be able to do this. But if our eyes are on Him, the joy set before us, that's how you endure. Come on, what are you looking at? All right, let's go to Acts chapter 20. Let's finish here. This is number four. Acts, the 20th chapter. Number four, the trap, the obstacle is negative circumstances. You and I must be prepared for and aware of, watch, negative circumstances. Some of these are just the result of the fact that we live in a fallen, sinful world, while others could be attributed to, you know, Ephesians 6, the the fiery darts of the wicked one. Nevertheless, we have to recognize that just because we're saved, we're not uh, promised flowery beds of ease, we'll never be tempted or tried or have any obstacles in life. There are circumstances that you and I must deal with and we must overcome. And if I know that they're coming, they won't, I won't be caught off guard. I won't be surprised like, oh, how did this happen? I mean, I'm a Christian. What is going on here? No, we should be aware that they can come and we, we can know that we can overcome them. But we cannot be moved by them. These circumstances will move you off of your course if you let them. In, in Acts chapter 20, this is the, the Apostle Paul writer of Hebrews, talking here. And listen, he had a bunch of people that were coming around to him, telling him, and prophesying even, and saying, hey, this is going to happen to you, and you're going to go here, and they're going to bind you up, and they're going to do this to you, and your testimony's not going to be accepted. And, and, and they got done trying to persuade him not to go, and not to do what he knew what he was supposed to do. But he said this in verse 24, but none of these things move me. Think about that. But Paul said... None of these things move me. None of these reports, none of these prophecies, so-called prophecies, none of these things that you say are going to happen to me, none of these negative uh, experiences and circumstances that I'm going to deal with, none of them move me. Let's meditate on that for a moment. Say it out loud with me. None of these things move me. Say it again. Say it again. None of these things move me. I believe that you and I have opportunities to use that language, to use that commitment. We run into stuff and we have got to be determined and come to this place where we say, yeah, but I'm not going to be moved by that. I don't like it, didn't enjoy it, don't wish for it, but not going to be moved by it. Amen. You might even be able to encourage a friend. Someone close to you and say, hey, you're going to be moved by that? When you see that they're dealing with something, some kind of junk. You see they're dealing with some difficult stuff. Say, you're going to let that move you? With this intent to stir up some conviction on the inside. That says, no, I'm not going to be moved by that. I don't like it. I don't enjoy it. It's not from God. I'm not going to let it bump me off my course. 
I'm not going to let it move me out of my place. I'm going to continue in the Word. Continue in prayer. I'm going to continue on my course doing the will of God. And when that rises up inside of you and you say with Paul, none of these things move me. He goes on to say, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with what? Joy. He said, if these things move me, I'm not going to finish. And I'm not going to finish with joy. Maybe it's possible to finish and be totally worn out, totally discouraged, but you completed it, you fell across the line, so to speak. He said, if I'm not moved by all this stuff, I'm going to complete my course. I'm going to finish it with a smile on my face. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was recently looking at a picture of the, the prison cell that Paul was in when he probably wrote, I have fought the fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. You know, and these guys basically around him say, you know, he's saying, I'm not sure I'm going to die yet. I think I'm going to stay. You know, when he wrote to the Philippians, eh, I'd be better off for you if I stayed. And they're thinking, you think this is up to you? <laughs> you know, the prison guards? And how many know he knew it was up to him? Oh, yeah. But he's in that place with a smile on his face. I mean, think about that. I have finished. I did the work, and he's in this cell. He's in this prison cell back then. It was like a waste, prison waste, you know, and, and he's, he's there with a smile on his face. Oh, yeah. I tell you what, there's something powerful, something spiritual, and something real going on on the inside of him for him to do that. But one thing he had going for him, negative circumstances wouldn't bump him off the plan. Stick with the plan. Huh? There's going to be some obstacles along the road. Stick with the plan. Be an overcomer. Continue. And don't be moved by all that stuff. Amen. Stand up with me today. Praise God. Let's worship the Lord today. This is our time to make a connection with Him. This is our time to be filled. Amen. This is our time to experience direction from Him. Amen.